my name is Trish Ware, and I am obsessed with all things pregnancy and birth, and helping you to navigate both the practical and the magical seasons of this journey called motherhood. I'm an all-day coffee-sipping mama of seven and labor and delivery nurse who took her expertise in the labor room and turned it into an online one-stop shop for mamas looking for powerful education and support. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many babies in my 15-plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mama of seven. I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby and write the birth story of your dreams. So hit subscribe and let's replace your anxiety and fear with complete confidence. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. Laura, I am so excited to have you on here today. This is a topic that is so near and dear to me, especially being a mom of six and educating women about childbirth. So today we're going to talk about your pelvic floor, and I'm super excited about that, but let's go ahead and I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, thank you so much, Trish. It is it is such a pleasure to be here today. I'm Laura Jawad, and I'm a pregnancy and postpartum personal trainer and birth doula, and I'm based outside of Seattle, Washington. And so I work with folks in person and online, helping them stay strong during pregnancy and then have their strongest postpartum recovery. Oh, I love that so much. And I just have to say one of my most favorite places to work as a labor and delivery nurse is Seattle. I love it there. I feel like it's forward thinking and how I wish the rest of the country would move when it comes to the birth culture. I feel like it's just, I love it so much. It's a really, really birth-friendly city. And there are so, so many resources for our birthing families here. It's a really great place to have a baby. I totally agree. And every time, especially when I have a student join the VBAC lab, which is my birth class for moms who want to have a vaginal delivery after cesarean, for those of you guys don't know what VBAC is, I am over the moon excited when they tell me that they live in the Seattle area because I know that their chances are so much higher because they're not going to face as many roadblocks. So that's just a little side note. If you live in the Seattle area, it's a great place to give birth. Okay, so we always start out the episode with my guests, if they've had children, sharing their birth experiences and then how it plays a role in what you do for a living and how it works its way into your business. So if you could share that with us real quick, I would love to hear. Gosh, it's I would love to and I'll try and be real quick. I've had so I've had two babies and my first and both of them were by choice unmedicated deliveries and both very different experiences. So the first one, I gave birth at a large medical center, academic hospital. And I swear to God, my birth team had never seen an unmedicated birth before. I pushed- Hold up. Where did you deliver that baby? Because I'm guessing. UW. Okay. So that wasn't where you are now. Where I had my second one. No, you're the one that they had not seen an unmedicated birth. You don't. What part of the country? 
which Seattle. is I'm not even that was Seattle. Oh, is it? I'm so surprised. So this is so I had a, I held my tongue during that intro, but if you look at the C-section stats for all the different hospitals across the Seattle area, they vary so widely, Trish. And this is okay, like something then. I always tell my families is make sure you're choosing a birth location that aligns with your birth preferences because some of the hospitals here have extremely high C-section rates and some of them have really low. And that's and it's not necessarily a bad thing. What I didn't know before I gave birth at UW is that UW, being a major medical center, it specializes in high-risk delivery, right? That's where you go if you've got something going on. And I had an uncomplicated pregnancy. I wanted an unmedicated birth. I chose the wrong birthing location. So it was yeah. on me. So absolutely. Like I still think in Seattle, like you can find great places to give birth with really low. I must've been at the right places. I just it really Northwest has really low, which is a UW affiliated, but they have the midwifery practice and it has much lower C-section rates than the main. Well, and, and that is important to know that at teaching hospitals, a lot of times they're very quick to react and go to the extreme is what I found in my career. So that is important to note. But then at the same time, if you're educated and you understand the natural process of birth, and you understand when and why they use interventions and you trust your provider, then you're able to advocate and say no when things are unnecessary. So there's definitely a mix because a lot of my moms don't have a choice between birth friendly and not so birth friendly which how crazy it is that we even have to say that some labor and delivery units are not birth friendly is that not crazy anyway so i digress so noted that there are some areas in seattle that aren't as friendly as i have experienced <laughs> there's reasons right if you have a complicated birth or a complicated pregnancy and you're expecting a complicated birth like you want to be somewhere like you dub like those places like we need those places exactly. because that team just didn't have a lot of experience with unmedicated labors. I think they were really scared of the noises coming out of my mouth. And the resident who was delivering my baby, like she wanted an epidural in me so bad. She just, she kept calling anesthesia. And I, and it is hard to say no to an epidural when you're going through that. You need yes. the support mm -hmm. of your team if that's, fortunately, I'm very stubborn. And I had a doula. Yeah. That's fortunate. Yeah. And I had a doula <laughs> and my husband was there with me and I had the support I needed, but I pushed for three and a half hours, right? I pushed for three and a half hours, like fighting my birth team to keep the anesthesiologist out of the room. Which you should not have had to have to do at that point. I tell my girls all the time, when you're in active labor, your only job is to labor and that's when your team takes over advocating. And it's really a shame the staff, like, and this is so off topic, but it's really a shame when the staff is trying to push on you what is convenient for them. And this is something that I teach my students all the time. We do nothing out of curiosity or convenience for anyone except for you. If it's convenient for you and you want it, then that's fine because it's your choice. But we're not going to do something that's convenient because she's uncomfortable with the noises you're making. And I get it. Like natural birth is very primitive and it can't – I always – say I say this all the time it sounds just like sex noise it really does so for some people hearing that for the first time it can be a little uncomfortable but you have to get a, outside of yourself it's not about us it's about you guys it's about the birthing patient so anyway 
you're right. It won't be quick to share birth experiences. <laughs> There's so much gold in it, right? So ultimately, and talking about a three and a half hour pushing stage, like having to fight like while you were in labor does not contribute to a quick and efficient birth. I think you talk- No, it makes sense that you pushed for three hours. That makes sense because it's part of that, that need for us. And if you, I tell my girls all the time, if you see an animal, they don't come out into the spotlights and have people like or other animals telling them what to do. They get into the dark. They get by themselves. They find their own position. And birth is all about feeling safe and feeling protected and feeling honored so that your body can work to do what it's supposed to do. And we, our bodies can stop itself. If, if we feel unsafe, just like a bear or another animal, if they, if something happens during their birth where they have, they feel unsafe, they, you can stop your labor. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. My second time around, I ended up going with soul-based midwives at my local like community hospital. And it was a totally different experience. It was a totally different experience. Same birth team from their perspective. I had my husband there, same doula from the first birth, but just chose my location and my providers a little more mindfully. And I still, I'm an athlete. I'm type A, have a very tight pelvic floor. I still pushed for an hour and a half. It was an hour and a half instead of three and a half hours, like huge difference. And just overall, such a more positive experience. I did not feel good after my first birth. I felt pretty good after that second birth. In terms of like how that all plays into what I'm doing now, it wasn't so much the, it wasn't so much directly the birth experience, but it was really what came after. And so after my first birth, I started getting back into activity and I started trying to run again. I found out that I had a bladder prolapse and I had no idea what to do with that, (laughs) especially as an athlete and someone who really like values being active. There wasn't a ton of information out there. And there has been a revolution in the amount of information available in the last six years since my daughter was born. But six years ago, there was like, there was nothing. And so I had to do so much work, so much research, so much self-advocacy to like, to rehab myself, to figure out what I needed to do to get back to the things I wanted to do instead of just a lot of the advice was like, just don't run again, don't lift again, don't. Or, oh, that's the cost of having a baby. That's what happens. That's so That's definite. Oh, it's so unhelpful. And as I dug into this stuff, obviously it was so helpful for me. And I just really felt like this information needed to be more widely available. And at the time I was working in research science, I have a PhD in oceanography. And I just found that I really enjoyed what I was learning about and what I was starting to do more than what I was doing. And so at some point I made that hard pivot into the birth world. I started- That is a huge pivot. Oh yeah. It's hard. it's like, <laughs> it's you can't even really call that a pivot. It's like I jumped off a ship. <laughs> yeah. Side note, I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was in middle school till I got to high school and I took a marine biology class and I was like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're very, di- they're very different things for sure. But I guess tied together by the science and the research and just appreciating evidence-based work. And I started doing doula work because as I got more and more into the postpartum recovery work and the personal training, it becomes so obvious that the way that we prepare folks during pregnancy and the way that the experience during childbirth has such an impact on the way people recover. 
And so I wanted that opportunity to touch people sooner, to be involved in that prenatal preparation and be involved in the birthing experience because there's such an opportunity there to set people up for that strong recovery and set that really nice baseline for launching postpartum. I love that so much because it's almost identical to why I'm on this side of the labor bed now, more from a mental standpoint, but I've definitely incorporated the physical side of it. But if a mom goes into her birth experiencing winging it in any way, whether it's mentally or it's emotionally or it's physically, you're going to leave with trauma whether or not there's a catastrophic event or whatever, just like your birth, like seemingly you had a beautiful unmedicated birth, but you left with some trauma. And I think that's why it's so important what all of us are doing in the education world with preparing these moms. Because back when I had my older children, you took a hospital-based birth or birth class or a Lamaze class, and it's infused with hospital policy, but it was not really preparing us for our part in it or our power in it. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about what I do now. And it sounds the same for you. And I think it's so intertwined what we're doing. A mom needs to go, you can't wing your birth. You just can't. And it can affect you for the rest of your life, how you feel during your birth, how you recover from your birth, physically and mentally affects the rest of your life. Yeah. Penny Simkin has done some beautiful work around that, looking at how those memories get preserved. And I think it's so nice to take that a step further and just really, I'm at a loss for words, but the birth experience is so important, right? Like we, we discount the experience. Like we are so focused on the outcome. We discount the experience and that experience is so important because we remember it forever. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, it's something we could talk about for hours. And it's something that we're really passionate about inside of the Labor Nurse Mama birth classes. And one of the things that we create, because we meet with our students weekly, we have a weekly hangout we call the happy hour. Not always happy, but, and only my trying to conceive girls and my postpartum girls will have a glass of wine or whatever. So it's a regular. So during our happy hours, a lot of times we talk about validating each other's birth experiences. And a, a lot of people... And I'm sure in the past at some point, I've probably done the same thing. A lot of us tell moms, as long as you're healthy and baby's healthy, then that's what matters. And that's not all that matters. And anyway, so we should probably get into our topic, seeing that we've been talking for almost 20 minutes now. So today we're going to talk about your pelvic floor, getting to know it, being familiar with it. And learning how to not only relax it, but also to prepare it, but learning how to really get in tune with it so that you can work with your pelvic floor during birth and during recovery. So I'm going to just let you take it. Maybe you could talk about why it's important to do that, and then we can talk about how to do that, and maybe give them like three really strong takeaways of what they can do while they're pregnant and during postpartum? Sure. I think there are a number of reasons why it's important. If we're starting with labor and delivery, your pelvic floor is the exit door, right? And you want it to be able to open. You don't want to be pushing against a closed door. And so you want to know how to open. (laughs) You want to know how to open the door, right? And it's 
that is a really hard thing to learn how to do on the fly. And I think so many of us have the instinct that under exertion, we contract all our muscles, right? Like when you're doing something hard, when you're picking up something heavy, like your whole body kind of contracts to create stiffness and stability, right? And that includes your pelvic floor. So it's a little bit like counterintuitive to let muscles relax when you're working hard. And that's exactly what you need to do when you're pushing out your baby, right? Stuff's contracting, your uterus is contracting, your abs are contracting, but you need to be able to relax your pelvic floor. And so building that awareness during um, your pregnancy is super key. The tool that I use, tool and technique that I use during pregnancy is called the connection breath. And it's a coordinated diaphragmatic breath with a pelvic floor contraction or Kegel. And I like teaching that during pregnancy, not only because it builds awareness of the core muscles and pelvic floor that you can take into labor and delivery, but it also helps you just maintain the coordinated and reflexive action of your core muscles during pregnancy, which will help you feel stronger. It'll help ward off a lot of the common aches and pains of pregnancy and a lot of the pesky symptoms like leaking in particular. So there's so much value in tapping into your deep core muscles, learning how they work, learning how to voluntarily or consciously control them. And it's very different from just doing Kegels, which I think is good. Let's say the old wives tale of pregnancy and postpartum. A Kegel is really just like a contract, right? Folks contract. But the difference with the core to connection breath is really being able to take that big inhale into your rib cage, let everything relax and release during that inhale. And then on exhale, contracting the pelvic floor. So it is the contract and it's the relax. It's learning both pieces of that. I love that. And I love even that you're mentioning that it will help with the aches and pains of pregnancy. And I think, so Laura and I started talking before we started recording and I wish we would have been recording because we were having some really good golden nuggets of truth. And one of the truths that even you and I, because I have a seven-year-old, you have a six-year-old, that we feel is even six, seven years ago, we didn't have a lot of the information that you moms have now. And I know for myself that you hear a lot when you're just part of pregnancy. That's just normal. That's normal. That's normal. You know what? There are things we can do for these normal aches and pains. You don't have to just deal with it. And I love the power I see in my students currently because they're seeing pelvic floor specialists. They're seeing chiropractors. They're seeing physical therapists while they're pregnant and post-delivery and can take action. There are things you can do. And I love that you're saying that because I think that's a powerful truth for these mamas who are having babies. You have options. You don't have to just be like, oh, it's normal. This is normal. I have to deal with pain on myself and I have to deal with my back hurting really bad or blah, 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 whatever it is. So I love that. Thank you for even mentioning that. And I love that you are referring your students to pelvic floor physical therapists. There's a lot of guesswork in pregnancy. You don't want to be in a lot of pain. You don't want to tear. Who does? You really don't care what your cousin's sister-in-law's friend Sally did for her birth. You want to choose your path. So jump into our weekly pregnancy updates 
and grab your free pregnancy and postpartum bundle checklist now and get all the details you need to know. We're gonna help you stay organized during each trimester of pregnancy. There's no need to get overwhelmed and frustrated with all the suggestions that are out there. Do not Google search. We've helped you take the guesswork out of everything that needs to get done before the baby comes. Discover what all moms need to know to be ready for each trimester, the pre-birth mystery, and postpartum preparation. Plus, you'll be ready for each stage with the weekly education that we're going to send you. Get instant access now. The link is in the show notes. Because that is new, right? That is like a new thing on the birth landscape. And I think there's a lot of value in establishing that care during pregnancy, both for a more comfortable pregnancy and preparing for the birth. And then you have that relationship set up for postpartum. And it is one less thing that you have to do during that early postpartum period. It takes- Yeah. And we tell them to go ahead and have that postpartum appointment set up. Do you recommend that as well? Yes. That they go ahead, even if they're not experiencing what they feel might be problems Yeah, absolutely. to be have an assessment or- Yeah. I have people schedule an appointment for six weeks after their estimated due date because I think everyone everyone benefits from that evaluation, even if it turns out to just be education. It is, it is so valuable. And those appointments can take so long to get. Setting it up before you give birth will give you the time so that you have the appointment set up when you need it, which really is around that's around six weeks postpartum, like around your OB or midwife checkup. What about during pregnancy? When should they schedule one? What I do you recommend? As soon as possible. I think it's really valuable to do them early because you get a nice baseline of what does your body look like now. It's one of the few regrets that I have going into my pregnancies. I don't know what my body looked like. And it turns out there's really no, no one, there's no standard of like where your bladder is supposed to sit. And when you go postpartum, your physical therapist will look at where everything is, like where's your bladder, how far apart are your abs. But if you don't know where those things were before your pregnancy, it's really hard to know if stuff is sitting lower or if things are wider. It's really hard to know. So if you can get in real early pregnancy, you found out you're pregnant, schedule that assessment. You've got- and what would they... Ex- Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I said you have such valuable information. It's like you have historical data. I think that sounds so wise, makes so much sense. So a lot of my, side note, but a lot of my students will say, okay, I've scheduled it. What do I, what can I expect during that first appointment? So what would they expect during that first pelvic floor appointment? Yeah, typically it's a lot of education. They'll, the physical therapist will talk to you about your core and pelvic floor, how it works. Um, Hopefully they're going to explain to you everything that they're going to do. And then typically there's an internal exam where they actually go in and evaluate your pelvic floor muscles and where all your organs are sitting, et cetera. Pelvic floor physical therapy doesn't have to involve that internal exam, but it is a lot more effective if you... I was going to yeah. say, how could you not like... Yeah, I mean, you like pelvic you would have health, to know. right? Yeah. There's stuff you can right. do without that information, but that information truly is gold. And the exams are not, they're not like when you go to the OB, right? There's no speculum. It's, it's very gentle. 
they're usually looking at your face instead of your vagina as they're working. It's much more personal. It's much more personal and gentle. And you just, you get information that you cannot get any other way. And even if you're not able to get in, just as soon as you find out that you're pregnant, like that information is still valuable throughout your pregnancy, depending on what they find. If you have tight muscles, if you have muscle imbalances, things like that, they can help you work on that either with manual therapy, just if you went to any other kind of physical therapist and they're working out knots in your quad, right? Like your PT can help work out those tight areas in your pelvic floor. They can help you find birthing positions where your pelvic floor is maximally relaxed. They can make sure that you are actually kegeling like you think you are, because some people will actually push when they think they're contracting. And so in terms of developing that awareness and that, that, what was the word I was using? It's very early here, but the, they'll help you build that body awareness so that you're doing the thing you think you're doing. And if you have trouble relaxing, they'll help you figure out how to relax. And can you think of something more valuable to have in your kit going into labor and delivery is, is that information. So. Yeah. I tell my girls as well that if you picture pushing, if you have your bedroom door or whatever, and someone's trying to come through the door and you're pushing the door on them, like just all of that resistance and even for the baby coming through all of that resistance instead of working together, your contractions, your pelvic floor and the baby all working together to come out in one smooth, fluid motion, that is just so much less trauma for all of you. So I guess what I would love to hear, so we're talking about the techniques that you use. So how would you instruct someone to what would you tell because a lot of these girls a lot of my students may not be able to see a pelvic floor specialist or to do that so what are some things that they can do practically right now during pregnancy and I know without assessing because I know you said they're going to check do you have an imbalance or is it too tight or whatever but what are some things that women can do regardless of if like middle line yeah are we talking just for preparing for birth Preparing for birth. Yeah. yeah. So I think the top thing is learning how to breathe, right? And obviously we all know how to breathe. We're all sitting here talking, but your the growing fetus really throws a wrench in the way that your core functions during pregnancy. And we tend to start breathing more into our shoulders and like our accessory muscles. And we stop using our abs and our pelvic floor stops lengthening and relaxing during those breath cycles. So learning how to breathe again. And I teach this connection breath. And I think you'll share at the end, I have a resource on my website that people can go to and get really like step-by-step hand-holding instructions on how to do that. But essentially it's a diaphragmatic inhale, letting your ribcage expand 360 degrees on inhale, letting everything relax, everything below the belly button, relax and release. And then on exhale, pelvic floor contraction. So coordinating that exhale breath with the Kegel. Inhaling. So relaxing, inhale, relax, and then tightening, exhale. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that's step one is building that awareness and building that functional breath that will just support us feeling strong and connected during pregnancy. But then you can take that a step further. And once you have that awareness, you can learn a relaxation breath where you inhale, you let everything relax and release. And then on exhale, you know, you're abdominal wall will still contract, but you're maintaining that openness in your pelvic floor. Inhale, relax, release. Exhale, hold that space. 
okay. hold that space. It's, that, it's so amazing what we can do if we educate ourselves, right? Yeah. And How different our birth experience can be. And I know that you teach pushing in your – do you teach mm-hmm. breathing? So I we assume do. it's something similar. Yeah. Very yeah. similar, yeah. Yeah, so I, it's so important just in coming into this space, like I said, coming on this side of the labor and delivery bed from being the nurse that admits you and trying to cram everything in once I've admitted my patients, but stepping back and meeting them prenatally and then spending so much time postpartum, I have learned so much about breathing and how powerful it is in all areas, mentally, physically, for recovery, all of it. It's really truly unbelievable how power, how much power there is in learning how to breathe properly. Yeah. And it sounds like such a wimpy thing, right? It sounds weird. Yeah. yeah. It sounds really weird, but it's, it is such an invaluable tool. Both for, uh, I both agree. For feeling strong, warding off those aches and pains, making your labor more efficient. And it's the first Decreasing thing. fear and anxiety. Yeah. Yes. Managing. It also yes. works mentally. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's a really good point. And then postpartum, it's the first exercise you can do. Right. So if you learn good, so let's jump into that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you (laughs) now let's talk about that. If you learn how to do the connection breath during pregnancy, you're also building muscle memory. And postpartum, it is the first exercise that you can do within days of giving birth while you're lying in bed if you need to. And it is so much easier to teach it during pregnancy than it is postpartum when all those muscles feel so stretched and disconnected. So I see people have so much more success finding that breath if they've been doing it before. Not to say it's impossible, not at all. You can absolutely learn how to do it postpartum. It is just easier, right? Because you have that muscle memory and that reflex. Let me ask you this because I've had a, I've talked to a lot of pelvic floor specialists and I've had some that what they're teaching during the third trimester is what they call reverse Kegels. So is that similar to what you're teaching? Yeah. So a reverse Kegel is essentially a bulging of the pelvic floor. So a traditional Kegel is a contract. The reverse Kegel is going to be more of a bulge. Again, I like to teach it in terms of the breath because the core those muscles do not work in isolation. They do not. Right? No, not at all. And when those <laughs> muscles, so the deep core, your deep core system is made up of your diaphragm, your transverse abs. It's those deep, that deepest layer of abs in your pelvic floor, plus some back extensors and things that don't play as much of a role in this conversation. But when those things stop working well together, that's when you start having the leaking, the aches and pains, et cetera. And if you train those muscles in isolation, or if you try to get them to work in isolation, you start biasing towards those aches and pains or less optimal function. You want to train everything together. And so that that goes for the connection breath. It also, I think, goes for the reverse Kegel. Like you can bulge your pelvic floor, but there's going to be a lot less power and value behind it if you're not breathing as well. If you're using that relaxation breath, and Anita Lambert teaches it as the flower bloom breath, which I really love. But if you're pulling all the muscle, if you're coordinating all the muscles in that way, then you're also getting that pressure management and that pressure from above pushing towards the pelvic floor. So you're not bulging or relaxing at the pelvic floor, but you're also sending pressure down at the same time. And that's so much more valuable than simply bulging, right? You want to be sending everything down. When you exhale, and open or exhale and bulge, then you're supporting all that downward pressure using your breath. Does that make sense? I don't know if I did a great job of explaining that. 
No, I think it's great. And I think that sometimes there's different things that make a mom really confused. Okay, she's saying this and she's saying this. But I think the really important part that I think is so valuable is seeking knowledge and getting in tune with your body and how your body works and what you can do to maximize how your body works. And all of that plays such a role in your delivery and your recovery and your pregnancy. Because like you said, you can start leaking and we have aches and pains and different issues during pregnancy. So I think the important thing when you guys are out there and you're seeking education is you're seeking the education and then you're doing your due diligence to find out what is evidence-based and what is truth in this because anyone can post anything anywhere so you want to be really careful where you're getting your knowledge from i tell my girls all the time knowledge is power but you also have to apply it so it has to be applicable can you use it i love that you're saying that like we definitely need to figure out like we as women need to learn our bodies and how our body works and to work with it for the best not just pregnancy and postpartum because what happens during pregnancy and during your delivery can affect you for a long time physically as well as mentally so that's just i don't know got off on a tangent i think that's a really important point and i like to talk about postpartum as an opportunity it's an opportunity to grow stronger it's also an opportunity to get to know your body in a way that you've never done before and i think you just said it this is going to be valuable information for the rest of your life this is information that is not only applicable now, it's going to be applicable as you go into perimenopause, menopause, knowing how your core, your pelvic floor, how all this stuff works, how it all ties together, how it dovetails with various symptoms is information that is going to be so valuable throughout the rest of your life. Agreed. So. Yes. And that's important. Like your childbearing years are only a certain season of your life. And I think it, yeah, I'm done having babies and I'm very thankful for a healthy pelvic floor. <laughs> Thank you, God. <laughs> anyway, so is there anything else that you feel like you really would want these moms to know? Or what is something that um, you make sure all of your patients that come to you for pelvic floor health would you want them to know let's say you're not going to see them again this is a one-time thing like anything valuable that you feel like they need to know besides what we've talked about yeah let me think the major thing the fundamental lesson i teach everyone is the connection breath because whether you're pregnant whether you're postpartum whether you're 10 years postpartum that is a tool that you need in your kit so i teach that to everyone going into labor and delivery i really like to Make sure people know how to apply that, how to modify that for labor and delivery. And I really like to make sure people are set up with that pelvic PT, right? So making sure people are making those appointments, having them set up for postpartum. And then in terms of other stuff I want people to know, I think it's really important to educate people not only on pelvic floor function, but on pelvic floor dysfunction. And then I don't even love the word dysfunction, but talking to folks about the things that could happen during pregnancy or, or sorry, well, during pregnancy, but also during birth and into postpartum, because a lot of the pelvic floor disorders, the most common ones being incontinence, pel pelvic organ prolapse, stasis, those come as a surprise to so many people and they don't need to be a surprise. And there is like real scientific data showing that folks do have fewer 
symptoms or less severe symptoms and improve mental health when they know what to expect, right? So even if those things happen, if you knew to expect them and you know what to do, if you have the symptoms, you're going to have such a better experience than if you are blindsided and that stuff surprises you. If I'm doing even a one-time consult with someone during pregnancy and we're talking about the breathing and we're talking about what's going to happen during birth, I make sure to at least spend a little bit of time talking about what is possible. Like, what are you looking out for postpartum? And if those things happen, who are you calling to get help? Because no one likes, hardly, I love to talk about it, but most people don't like to talk about all those very personal things. And so making sure they know what's normal, what is common, and who to call when something is not working like it should. Yeah, I love that. I'm like, I that could be a whole podcast topic. I would love to really quick before we hop off here, because I think when we were chatting before we started recording, I was telling you that I have a few students that have some urinary incontinence during that initial first couple weeks of postpartum. Is that or when should they get help? Yeah, it is really common, right? Like during those first couple of weeks, when I had my daughter, my first baby, I completely flooded my pants on the walk out of the hospital. And I was like, I had no idea what was going on because no one told me. It is really common. And I would say during that first six weeks, I wouldn't get too excited about it. Like it's annoying and it's a nuisance and it should resolve within a couple of weeks after birth. At six weeks, if you're still leaking, go see a pelvic floor PT. There is literally no reason not to go seek out help for that because most of the time you can rehab that. There is, it is peeing your pants is not the price of having a baby. And yes, those first couple of weeks you are recovering, stuff is stretched, stuff is out of alignment, but in the long term, <laughs> and even in the medium short term, like after about six weeks, if you're still leaking, go get that checked out. There's help available. It's not a terrible intervention. It's really, it's learning how to breathe again. So again, if you've learned that during pregnancy, you're ahead of the curve. And I think you're ahead of the curve if you have that appointment already set up, which is what we recommended. Because I think it's also important to note that there's probably a lot more women that have urinary incontinence initially that don't even realize it because you have so much coming out of you anyway that you may not realize that it's also urine. So I think that's important to note that if you already have this assessment set up for postpartum, you've had your initial baseline appointment or more, more if you can, because I have some girls that do more, and you have this assessment set up for postpartum, then you're going to nip these issues in the bud and you're going to have practical things that you can do. And when we have things we can do, especially for type A people like us, then it gives you a feeling of power that you wouldn't have if you're just having to say, oh, hope it gets better. Hope I'm not peeing on myself six months from now. It just gives you power. So I think that's an important thing for us to like to the leave off here. I know this has been a little bit like we've gone over a lot, but I think the really important nugget of truth from this episode 
is that you have things that you can do instead of just accepting that's the way it is and oh, I'm just going to have to deal with, I'll never be able to sneeze or jump again because I'm going to pee on myself. No, that's not true. Don't accept that. Take your power and use it and educate yourself. So thank you so much, Laura, for being here today. I have one more question for you. I ask all my guests before we get off is what would you say is your superpower? Oh my gosh, what is my superpower? I should have come prepared for that, huh? That's okay. I don't I like it when we aren't because I think a lot of times we don't we tend to build up others and not ourselves. And I'm really passionate about loving yourself and seeing your value and being able to speak good things about yourself. Yeah. Okay. So I think that one of my superpowers is being able to really keep my head on during emotionally tense experiences. And I think that is, if we're talking about this, I think that becomes really valuable when I have folks coming to me who are feeling really anxious and nervous about what's going to happen during labor or they're really excited about symptoms that they're having postpartum. I think I'm really good at helping people walk through that and take actionable steps and turn take control where they can take control. Yeah, I love that because goodness, can you imagine if they came to you and you're like, oh my gosh, that's happening to you? What? That's horrible. That would not be good at all. So, I, it's yeah, a, fine, I, I line. It's a fine line between validating and reacting. Taking the reins a little bit. Yeah, yeah. reacting, validating. Yeah. Reacting. So I like yeah. That. What would your partner say is your superpower? He would say my superpower is multitasking. <laughs> <laughs> My husband would not say that's my superpower. I think I'm good at it, but he does not think No, he is always so amazed at my ability to have so many irons in the fire at the same time because he's definitely like one thing at a time. And I like to have a lot of things going on. I think I was better at that before. I've gotten to where I'm appreciating one task at a time a little more. But I do flutter around. Anyway, thank you so much for coming today. And thank you for doing something so valuable. I'm really passionate that we change the birth culture, especially in the United States, but all over the world. So I really appreciate everyone who is working together. We're working together to create a different experience for women from here on out. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, absolutely. My my pleasure, Trish. Thank you so much. Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Laura where we talked about your pelvic floor and things you can do to take charge during your pregnancy and during your recovery so you don't have to deal with things like leaking urine and all those fun things that people tell you are normal. Yes, they're common and they're normal, but there are things we can do. So hit subscribe and as always, I will see you next Friday. Bye for now.